and our preaching text is Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to add a third reading uh, to our readings for this morning. This is from Hebrews chapter 4, verse uh, 12. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So you may be wondering why I decided to add a third reading this morning, why an extra reading. And the reason I wanted to add that reading is because as I wrestled with this parable this week, it struck me that the word of God is indeed sharper than any two-edged sword, that it is indeed living and active. And that goes especially, it seems, for Jesus's parables, especially parables like the one for today. Jesus's parables are not these stories with morals, uh, something that we draw lessons from, but rather they are words that pierce. These words of God that Jesus speaks are not dead things that we get to study and make our own meaning of. Rather, they are living and they are active. They challenge us and they confront us. They force us to wrestle with them and to ask that ultimate question, what does God think of me? This parable is no exception. It doesn't teach us so much as it leaves us wondering, am I ready? Am I among the foolish whose lamps go out, or am I among the wise who remember to bring extra oil? Well, let me tell you a little bit about the context here. Uh, if you remember last week, we had another parable about a wedding feast. Uh, that one was a royal wedding feast. Uh, and that one also had this uncomfortable ending where uh, a man who had come in without a wedding garment gets thrown out of the wedding into outer darkness. And uh, Jesus says there, where there will be uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth, or the king in Jesus's parable says that rather. 
Uh, well, after he tells us, if you remember, he's speaking to the chief priests and the elders. This is after he's come into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. This is the week of his crucifixion. And immediately after this, he has all of these challenges uh, with the uh, Pharisees and the chief priests and the elders. They come to him and they try and trip him up. So first they come to him and they ask about taxes. You remember this? Should we, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Trying to get him to say something that will get him in trouble. Uh, he responds uh, kind of right down the middle. Give to God what is God's. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Uh, the Sadducees then come and try and trick him about the resurrection. They have this story they've come up with with a woman who was married uh, in turn to seven different brothers uh, and they all died. And the question is, well, in the resurrection, if there is a resurrection, the Sadducees don't believe believe in that. Uh, if there is a resurrection, whose wife would she be? Uh, this is ridiculous, Jesus. And Jesus answers, uh, in the kingdom of heaven, they, are, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels. Uh, then uh, a man or a scribe comes up and says, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And uh, another is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And he's impressed with this answer. Uh, and then Jesus goes on this tirade against the Pharisees and the scribes. Last week I said Jesus is making himself unwelcome. Well, he continues. Uh, over and over again, he has this series of woe, and he goes, uh, he says this sort of thing. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, uh, for you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and plate, uh, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs beautiful on the outside but full of bones inside and he goes on and on like this and then he at the end of the day finally uh, seemingly miraculously they haven't laid hands on him yet uh, leaves the temple and Jerusalem and goes out to the Mount of Olives in order to spend the night there and on his way out, the disciples who have been with him this whole time, uh, as he's walking out of the temple, uh, they notice the uh, building of the temple, and uh, they're showing this to Jesus. Isn't this an impressive structure, Jesus? Isn't this an amazing place that we have to come and worship? Uh, you get the sense that maybe a couple of them hadn't seen it before. You know, they're kind of uh, from out in the backwaters of Galilee, uh, and they're, uh, but they're showing Jesus this, and they're so impressed, and Jesus turns to them, and he says, truly, I tell you, the time is coming when not one of these stones will remain upon another, but all will be torn down. So when they get out to the Mount of Olives that evening, the disciples ask him a question. So it's just the disciples and Jesus now, and they say, well, when is this going to happen, this temple being torn down? Uh, what are going to be the signs? How will we know about this? And then Jesus begins to talk about uh, the signs. He says things uh, that we are familiar with. He says there will be wars and rumors of wars. Uh, he says uh, that there will be persecution, that they will all hate you. Um, and he also says no one knows the day or the hour that this will come. He says not even the son knows, not even he knows, only the father alone knows. And then he tells this series of parables all about uh, this day coming unexpectedly, surprisingly, and our parable for today is one of those uh, series of, I think it's five parables in a row um, that he tells. And it's kind of a hard parable to understand because we don't have weddings the same as they had weddings then. 
So today we think of uh, a wedding as the time uh, where you especially have this sort of religious uh, service, right, where people stand up in front of each other and they make promises to each other, um, and there's prayers, and uh, there's promises of God, and there's often singing of some kind, uh, and and all of this happens in the service. And then afterwards there's a reception, a gathering uh, for the guests after the wedding itself. So we think of weddings as this ceremony and then this other party, reception afterwards. Well, in those days, the wedding part of the wedding, what we think of as the wedding part, the exchanging of vows, all of the promises, that all happened actually long before. So when somebody's betrothed uh, to another, that's all been negotiated by the families. Uh, there's been uh, negotiations of dowry, which was a, uh, a practice uh, in that time. Uh, and, uh, and the promises have already been made. I mean, as, as far as sort of the legally binding uh, part of marriage goes, it's happened already at the betrothal is what we would sort of think of as engagement. So when the wedding comes, really all that's left is the reception. So the wedding feast is not so much this ceremony, but it's rather the time that the bridegroom comes to the bride's house, and there's, uh, you know, people waiting there. There's uh, bridesmaids waiting to escort her, and he gets her, and he takes her back to his house, and they're accompanied by uh, friends and family, and when they get there, there's a big party. That's when the wedding reception happens. That's what's happening in the parable that Jesus tells. So in a sense, they're already married, although they're not living together, but legally they're married. And now the time has come finally for her to uh, be uh, moved from her house and to uh, start their life together with her husband. And so Jesus tells a story of these 10 bridesmaids and they're waiting. They're at the bride's house and they're waiting for the bridegroom to come. Today is the day, and they have, they're probably all dressed up in their, in their uh, you know, nicest wedding clothes. They've got uh, their lamps lit because it's going to be this uh, procession where they have their lamps uh, all around him, and their oil lamps kind of, if you think of the genie lamps, so they're sort of that kind of a shape, uh, and they're, they're, they're ready uh, for the groom to come. But the groom takes a long time. So they're there, they're waiting, and the groom just isn't showing up. And he's not showing up. And he's not showing up. The groom is waiting and waiting. And all of these uh, bridesmaids fall asleep. Finally, at midnight, they've been asleep for hours, presumably, at this time. The bridegroom is announced. He is coming. And they wake up and their lamps have been lit. And they're all sputtering and they're beginning to go out. And now we see what the difference between these bridesmaids are. Five of them brought some extra oil along in case the bridegroom uh, shows up at midnight. This is maybe not all that uncommon, I don't know. But five of them forgot. And so the five who don't have it, they turn to the ones who have some extra saying, well, share some of the oil so that we can have our lamps lit too on this procession. And they uh, respond, no, there won't be enough for us. Uh, Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but they think there won't be enough to share. Uh, Go and buy some quickly. Uh, I don't know who's open at midnight, but somebody must be. So they go off at midnight and they find some oil. uh, And while they're gone, the bridegroom comes and he collects the bride and they go in their procession with the five uh, bridesmaids with their lit lamps and they enter in and they have the party, the wedding reception. Now that's fine enough. But then these other five bridesmaids, these foolish bridesmaids come. They've gotten their oil, again, somehow. I don't know who's open at midnight in Jerusalem at that time. But they show up at the door and they knock and they knock and they knock. And the bridegroom comes to the door of his house 
The party perhaps is over at this point. They say, let us in, open up. And he says, I, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. Jesus says, keep awake, therefore, for you do not know the day nor the hour. This is a difficult parable. It makes us wrestle because we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know the day or the hour that all of this will come to an end, and we don't know the day or the hour that we will come to an end. But one day and one hour that will come. And the problem of this parable, the the sticky point of this parable, is that we don't know whether we are ready or not. Will we be part of the five bridesmaids with extra oil? Or are we the five who miss it and who are not let in? The door remains shut. There's a question that I have about this parable as I run it over in my mind. And I wonder, what would have happened for these five bridesmaids, the foolish ones, the five who did not have extra oil for their lamps, if they had just stayed? What would have happened if they had just waited? When the bridegroom was, uh, uh, had been announced, when he was almost there, what if they just were there and their lamps are, are sputtering, they're going out, but still they just stay? I mean, uh, would, uh, would the groom have been angry when he showed up and found that their lamps were not lit? I mean, would they have been excluded? Oh, you cannot be a part of this wedding reception, this procession anymore. Or would they have been a part of the procession, perhaps a little foolish looking with their uh, lamps unlit, but still a part of the procession that gets to enter into the door? We're not told the answer to that question. Jesus doesn't clue us in. But think about what's happened here. The groom was late. The groom is very late. All of the bridesmaids' lamps are sputtering. They all fell asleep. Not one of them kept awake. Jesus says at the end of the parable, keep awake, therefore. None of the bridesmaids did this. So when they woke up, they needed to trim their, uh, trim the wicks of their lamps so they didn't burn all of the little uh, meager amounts of oil that was left. And they needed to refill it because, uh, you know, as they slept, the oil had burned away. And yet five of them felt like they needed to leave. In fact, they were told that they needed to leave to make themselves ready. If they had stayed, what would have happened? I mean, all of their lamps were sputtering. While some were able to compose themselves in time, others scurried off to make themselves presentable. And because they scurry off at the crucial moment to make themselves presentable, because they are worried about finding oil in the markets at midnight, they miss out on the entire celebration. Well, today, the bridegroom has come again. Today, the bridegroom has arrived for you here in the bread and the wine of communion here in the forgiveness of sins, here in the words of Scripture, here in the body of Christ, your fellow believers gathered here this morning. Your bridegroom has arrived, and he has brought with him a foretaste of the wedding feast to come. And some of you are well prepared. 
Some of you have some extra oil along the ride. Some of you, your lamps are sputtering, and you're not sure how much longer they can stay lit. But either, whether you are well-prepared or whether you are like those foolish bridesmaids, come. Come and receive this joy of salvation. Come and receive this forgiveness of sins. For your bridegroom has come to take you as his own. And his word of promise will fill you to overflowing. He will make you presentable for himself. For he has chosen you, and he will not go back on his promise. I opened with some words from Hebrews chapter 4. I want to read the two verses uh, that follow, or three verses rather, that follow immediately after those verses about the living and active and piercing word of God. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen.